0: James, uh, I'm really glad that we could jump on the call today because I've always found your your journey that you've been on really interesting. Like you've gone from consulting and then now you're obviously in the space that you're in now. So kind of just to kick us off, why don't you kind of just obviously for the people who don't know you, kind of give a summary of what you're doing now. Um, yeah, and kind of like what the, what the offer is, like how you kind of work with people.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me, bro. And I appreciate your help as well. Um, Look, yeah, okay, to answer your question, basically I'm a happiness coach uh, for men. Uh, So what I do is I help men to connect with their emotions, connect with their deepest, most authentic uh, self. Um, And that has essentially two big kind of objectives. Number one, uh, an amazing, fulfilling relationship with themselves with themselves they'd so be be their own best friend be mm. fully connected to themselves uh, and then as a result of that secondly be able to connect with other people whether that be like romantically and sexually or even just family and and friends um, to kind of fully experience their life
0: yeah no it's it's actually it just kind of clicked in my head it's it's been more of a recent thought in my head it's like you can't be in a relationship like a healthy relationship even if it's if it's romantically or just friendship wise if it's like you're relying on on the other person for something for like if you're relying on them for happiness or relying on them for like purpose it like it becomes very heavy and what's the word codependent type thing or dependent
1: yeah and and I think that's a great point and the kind of irony of that uh which which I really believe is that you actually can't give as much to the other person if you're in that position. Mm. Um, I often use the analogy of a, of a, of a cup, right? Like if your cup of happiness and fulfillment is empty, Mm. you know, you like, you're looking for someone, you like need someone to fill the cup up. But Mm. if this cup is full, it's overflowing, you know, you love your life as you are. Then when you're looking for someone, you still look for someone that's still healthy um, but you're really looking for someone to share what you have with. It's like share the overflowing uh, happiness and and fulfillment with, and that that creates what I what we call a more like generous love. Like you're able to love someone in this generous way of like, hey, I'm gonna give to them. But if I lose them, it's okay because I've already got this this full cup myself.
0: It's like you just have. So I, much. I didn't even
1: I didn't even prepare for that in advance. Just <laughs> coffee.
0: <laughs> Just bring out the analogies the and perfect metaphors. Yeah, yeah.
1: Bring out the method, coffee metaphors.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, on, on the kind of cup metaphor, when you were kind of describing it, I was also imagining, like, do you see it as, let's say you have two cups, like oh, a yeah. cup and yep. a, a bottle. Like, let's say <laughs> it's one cup is empty and the other one is potentially full. So, well, or like full-ish. It's like the person you get into... The relationship is full. Do you see yes. it as if one person is empty and they're like taking happiness from the other person? They might end up with like a quarter or half full now, but the other person's at a lower point than they started.
1: Oh, that's a that's a great question. That actually relates a lot to attachment styles. So what you're describing there, if if let's say um, <laughs> getting creative, <myself. laughs> what so do you let's got say this, this is let's say this coffee cup is full, you know, let's yeah. say that's a person with a full happiness, full, you know, very. Uh, and in, in the context of attachment styles, what we call that is a secure attachment style because they're already happy. They're already full of, um, you know, the things they want in their life. So when they attach to someone, it's very secure. Like they don't really need them as such. They just, they like sharing their life with them, but they're not, a, they're not so afraid of losing them. Let's say you've got the second person here And let's say this is empty, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a person who um, essentially we call they have an insecure attachment style. In other words, they will attach to this, particularly if they find a secure person, they'll be like, whoa, security, stability, happiness. Wow, I really want to attach to them. And they will attach to them in an insecure way. So they'll be afraid of losing them. They'll, they'll be very you know needy towards them. Mm. Um, so it's a combination of a secure and an insecure. Now that can work. That, that's not necessarily like terrible. I mean, I would say ideally you want two people who are both secure to come together. That, that creates a lot of healthiness. But a secure person and an insecure person can actually come together in a healthy way. Um, Because this secure person might really love the insecure person for certain things. You know, there might, there's all sorts of things, of course, about a person's personality, about a person's life that you could love. So these two people could come together in a healthy way because the secure person is not bringing fear into the interaction. And so Mm. that can create stability that can create some stability and it might actually help this insecure person. Right. So it can actually be healthy. What you don't want is you don't want these two cups to both be empty because that's going to be a rough relationship. Yeah. <laughs> if both yeah. of them are very insecure. They're both very clingy. They're both very afraid of losing each other. That's one of those relationships that's generally like very fiery, very passionate at the start because they need each other. They're getting these huge endorphins. But then a whole lot of jealousy comes, a whole mm. lot of insecurity comes, a whole lot of um, tumultuous. Uh, times come and they kind of crash, crash apart.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah. When you see people shouting at each other in public, and like, so
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's that's probably them. two um, two empty cups, uh, two empty cups coming together.
0: So I actually had one last question before we kind of moved on to something else. I'm keen to know. So when you spoke about how a secure person and an insecure person can actually be balanced can that work in the long run even if insecure person doesn't really change if they stay insecure
1: ah that's a great question i mean look i personally would want it to be a secure relationship um from the perspective of both people being secure yeah but i still think that a secure and an insecure could work long term there's just a couple of things that need to be there i mean one is that the secure person needs to be aware of that really the secure person needs to be aware that they are at a higher level of you know emotional maturity and security and so they're going to be aware that the insecure person is going to behave in different ways the insecure person is going to be more likely to have jealousy uh, the insecure person is more likely to, you know, just simple things like, like mood swings and a, and a greater variety of emotions. But mm. if the secure person is, you know, secure is a very broad definition, right? Like you, you might have one secure person who just hates any kind of uh, conflict or tumultuousness in their relationship. So they may not be able to handle having an insecure person long term. Whereas you might have another secure person who is fine with that. You know, they're they're very calm and a little bit of like fire and insecurity from their partner is okay for them. And in fact, they may even like certain elements of it. Mm. So if the secure person is aware that that's there um, and they, they kind of thrive in it and they accept it, mm. then it can work long-term. The other thing that can happen, but I say this reluctantly because I hate to get I, I hate that anyone would ever rely um, on this the other thing that can happen though is if a if a secure person is very secure and very emotionally mature they might actually be able to help the insecure person right and the mm-hmm. insecure person maybe from being with that person for a long time um, absorbs a lot of that security and actually becomes more secure because it's not it's not binary it's a spectrum right it's not yeah. it's not like, not like you're either secure or insecure it's a spectrum so a person who started off very insecure might actually be helped by spending so much time and energy with a person that is very secure yeah Yeah. i say that very reluctantly because a lot of guys have the knight in shining armor complex which is the whole thing of like i'm a secure you know uh mature man and they become attracted to very um insecure women to be honest and women that need to be saved it happens the other way around women and men you know it's not not a woman man thing it's a insecure but you have this complex of i want to save someone that is really insecure um and i want to help them and they're going to be happy with me um
0: yeah
1: and that's a very dangerous complex (laughs) because you could end up in this relationship where they're so reliant on you and as you were mentioning before they're actually becoming a, a, a a sap of your energy rather than giving mm. you energy that kind of yeah. taking energy away. So you need to be very aware of that.
0: Yeah. You always hear the stories about like, Oh, I'm going to fix them type of thing. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. It definitely attention. happens the other way
1: as well. A lot, a lot of, uh, yeah, a, a lot of women will also share that. They'll say, Oh, I was with a guy and you know, I thought he was going to change for me. I thought I was going to fix him. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it definitely yeah. happens kind of both ways. Um, so that's why it's great to be aware of things like attachment styles and your security yeah. versus your insecurity, all of that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the wildest thing is just like how we kind of went off into the deep with this is like, you came from a, a management consulting background, like working for <laughs> one of the, the big kind of firms doing management consulting. Like how did that kind of happen? Like, how did you go from management consulting to what you do now?
1: Yeah. Great question. So yeah so as you say I was in management consulting at a big firm in Australia um, and that was very interesting work I got and I learned so much from that amazing people inspiring people very smart people around me all of that Uh, but six years ago I started volunteering at Lifeline which is a free phone service in Australia Mm. Uh, so if, if someone is depressed or anxious or even suicidal actually uh they can call a free phone line in australia which you have in a lot of countries now but in australia they can call a free phone number and what they will get is they will get a a a telephone counsellor is what they're called who has gone through six months of training to be a telephone counsellor for lifeline um Mm. so i did that i was a volunteer telephone counsellor i started that i think it was six years ago now um And I loved that, man. I I loved uh, talking to people one-on-one. I loved being there for people. I loved hearing people's stories, um, seeing them get helped. So (laughs) yeah, I loved seeing these people get helped. Um, And so I realized I had a passion for that, you know? Um, I realized I had a passion for helping people, for being there for people. I realized that people trusted me a lot. That mm-hmm. I was I I was very good at this, um, and so then about two and a half years later from that, um, I had some reflection time. You know, I was in a very good job in consulting, but I basically had two big thoughts. One is that I really wanted to work for myself. I really wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, own my own, you know, hours, own my own business, have yeah. more, have that kind of freedom lifestyle of, of working your own hours, all of that. Uh, secondly, I wanted to do something that I was very passionate about, you know? And so I actually thought and reflected on that, got a lot of advice, listened to a lot of podcasts, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I decided, Hey, I love lifeline. Why don't I do a life coaching course? Right. Mm. So that's what I did. So I did a life coaching course. I did NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And basically once I kind of dove into those things, I decided very quickly, actually, yeah, I'm going to start my business in this. I'm going to make this full time. Um, initially I was doing it part time on the on the side of my consulting, but I always had the vision of doing it full time. So I always had an all in vision. Um, so I invested thousands of dollars into a mentorship program, Mm. which teaches coaches how to grow their business. And then I just went full throttle, um, at, at doing that. And, um, yeah, I'm very thankful for that. So about, uh, almost 2 years ago now almost 2 years ago now i went full time uh doing this coaching um and now it's now it's wonderful because i'm very passionate about it i see people change their lives i see people find happiness find amazing relationships um and i also get to live wherever i want you know i live live here in in bali like you do um which is amazing to have that yeah have that lifestyle
0: yeah yeah cuz I mean, there's a few things there. I mean, firstly, because when you're in management consulting, I mean, we had, we actually spoke about this a few weeks ago. It's like you're often working ridiculous hours, like it's an intense yes. work environment. So, what made you want to even start helping at Lifeline? Like, why would you want to take on such a heavy potential experience when you really <laughs> potentially like put in yourself to that kind of your last uh, hours?
1: Yeah, great question. I, I say this to my guys, like, uh, it's really important to have a sense of purpose in your life. Um, and there's macro purpose and micro purpose. So when people hear, oh, I got to have purpose in, their, in my life, it's often a bit of an overwhelming force. It's almost like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to own an orphanage, or I got to be a, I have to be a doctor, or I have to, I have to do, you know, my whole life has to have this save the world aspect to it but you don't need that you, you can focus on micro purpose what i mean mm. by micro purpose is smaller things that you can do in your life that makes you feel meaningful and purposeful mm. and the easiest way to do that is basically like think to yourself hey are there people in the world that you want to help you know and that can be as simple as your family members your friends um or it can be parts of the community that you want to help so for me, I knew that I was passionate about mental health, um, passionate to help people in their mindset. And I believed I was, I could help people in that way. Yeah. And so that's why I followed the Lifeline route, because whilst, as you say, it, it didn't make a lot of logical sense because I was working very long hours, very high pressure in consulting. Uh, so to spend my Saturday afternoon, which is what I was doing, yeah. Saturday afternoon for four hours on, on the phone at Lifeline, in a lot of ways, doesn't make a lot of logical sense. Um, but for me, it made perfect sense because it was my way of, to use this analogy and it was kind of filling my own cup up, right? Because mm-hmm. I would get a feeling of purpose from it. I would come away feeling like I had uh, helped people. I was getting a lot of meaning out of it. And then I would go on with my weekend and with my week, um, feeling this deep sense of purpose, um, which if I'm really honest with you, I wasn't really getting in management consulting. I was getting aspects yeah. of it in management consulting. But management consulting for me at that time was more intellectually stimulating, you know, it was problem solving, um, using my brain a lot. But from a kind of heart perspective, it was not. It was not kind of very meaningful for me, not very purposeful. Whereas Lifeline was very meaningful, very purposeful. Um, so that's why I kept spending that time on it and following that uh, following that journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you you do seem like a very joyful like you've got like emotion like a lot of joyful emotions around you all the time very that's yeah. the word empathic it's like when you actually care about people like that's what I've picked up just being around you so yeah I can see oh, how I, appreciate that, mm-hmm. I can see how like you wouldn't get any of that well a lot of that in consulting and then you went to the extreme of like where, where am I going to feel all of the emotions and be very connected on an emotional level at lifeline
1: yeah exactly right I appreciate that man yeah that that's a, a really interesting way to put it yeah that, that that's right and, and and that's why it is important to, and I say this to my guy to be aware of um, what it is that you personally need to fill your cup up so you, you you may not necessarily need to you know do volunteer work or go to help out of the soup kitchen or something like that uh, for other people what they may need to fill their cup up would be to you know it would be to call you know the simple things call someone that you like every day you know send Mm -hmm. a text to people you care about do things for people that you care about they might be aspects of micro purpose that give you meaning in your life but as you recognize there i'm a very uh, my personality is very much uh i like to feel a loss you know and so, doing something where people are very vulnerable, like Lifeline, and also obviously what I'm doing now, which is coaching people, mm. uh, where people are sharing their, you know, their their deepest thoughts, their deepest emotions with me, their vulnerabilities with me, that's very aligned to what, uh, you know, fills me up as a person because it gives me this feel of all these emotions and all this um, empathy that I can share with people. Um, and for me, because I know myself, I know that fills me up. I know that fills me up. For another person, it may not fill them up at all, which is why it's so, um, what I always advise, and I think is great is, you know, really consider what you uniquely need. You know, what makes you feel joyful? What makes you feel meaningful? What makes you feel purposeful? And then step by step, follow those in small in small steps.
0: Yeah. Do you, I just had the thought, do you feel it can come from uh, like helping others can come from the wrong place sometimes? Like, let's say I give to charity because it makes me feel good. Like, I'm only doing it because I'm like selfishly just want to make myself feel better. But obviously, you are still helping people. Like, do you think that matters?
1: Definitely. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, Yeah. So, you always want to. yeah, think about the and be aware of the emotions that your actions are coming from. Uh this actually relates um I'll try and make this link as clear as possible because not a necessarily clear link. This relates a lot to the whole nice guy thing, which I know we've talked about a lot and is very, you know, for for the whole masculinity space and and relationship space, it's a big topic, this whole nice guy thing. Now at the essence of the nice guy thing is kind of exactly what you're saying. It's, it's basically guys being nice, you know, doing good things for others, whether it's women or other people in their life um, for a couple of reasons, maybe number one, they don't feel good enough. And so they feel Mm. they need to do it to feel good enough. Mm. Number two, they they've got an internal sense of guilt. um, So they're, they're, they're overcompensating for that guilt by being overly nice Mm. Number three, number three, it's essentially kind of manipulative. It's essentially being nice to a person um, because you want something in return and, and, and you want them to give something back. Um, mm. So then you can fall into the nice guy pattern. The irony is a nice guy might actually do very good things, <laughs> but they're yeah. coming from these unhealthy places, right? They, they, they might be do very good things for a woman or even in their community but they're coming from unhealthy places, uh, which is again why I emphasize this idea of generous love. Okay. So ge- generous love is coming from a person that already feels happy and good enough, right? That's why I always, mm. when I work with guys, I always go deep into the internal beliefs that they have and the mm. internal feelings of being good enough. Cause I want them to be at a point where they feel good enough, regardless of what they're doing in their life. They don't need to, do volunteer work to feel good enough you know they don't need to be in a relationship to feel good enough they don't need Mm. to you know even have a fulfilling job to to feel good enough they they they've developed it first from the inside and then we start to really go into okay how can we make this uh happen externally in their life because then you know they're 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 doing these things from a place of hey i'm already good enough i'm Mm. just gonna happily try these other things. I'm going to happily try volunteer work. I'm going to happily do nice things for a woman. I don't know if she's going to reciprocate it. I don't know what's going to happen with it, um, but it's going to come from a place of like generosity rather than like this neediness of I'm, I'm needing something in return.
0: Yeah. 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 So, so is that um, you mentioned, you go deep with people to understand where, kind of where they are, where things are coming from. Is that kind of part of the first steps of when you start working with someone, you're like, let me see where you're at, see kind of what we're working with?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So so the way I basically, so I generally work with guys for 12 weeks. The, the very first thing we do is we get as clear as we can on where they want to be at the end. You know, we okay. go, okay, who's this man you want to be in 12 weeks? Because I'm very much about positive transformation, right? Now that, that image might change as we go, but you want to go, who do you want to be in 12 weeks? You know What changes do you want in your life? What do you want to feel? Um, how do you want to look even? All, all this kind of stuff. And then we go through, as you say, where you're at now, and it'll clarify what's getting in the way, right? What's mm. getting in the way from them changing. and And we start with the internal stuff. So what's getting in the way will typically be internal beliefs of maybe not being good enough or not deserving the things they have in their life. Um, and then when you go a layer deeper, okay, why do they feel that way? And then we go through things like the timeline of their life. Okay. What, when did you first feel you were not good enough? That can be when you were a little kid or when you're a teenager, things like that. And that's where particularly the NLP, which is the kind of subconscious psychology stuff comes into it. Mm -hmm. Um, where we go back to heal, the aspects from their life where they developed these internal barriers. They develop these blocks of like, I don't deserve, or I'm not good enough. Um, and so we go through healing um, and also develop relationships with different parts of yourself. So for example, in a child work or in a teen, develop this relationship with the child within you. That's often very, very powerful for guys. Um, and very rarely the um, guys develop this. So that that kind of links to what we were saying at the st- that a big part of what I do is helping a guy be his own best friend. Um, now there's a lot of amazing layers to that. You know, that might be, that might be understanding the child within you and becoming mm. a friend to the child. It might be, if you go into archetype stuff, it might be understanding the warrior within you, the, the, the king within you or, or the lover within you, the magician within you, and actually relating and becoming one with all these parts so the whole thing of being your own best friend i see is a very multi-layered thing it's not about just looking in the mirror and going i love myself you know it's Mm. it's multi-layered it's understanding that you're full of all these amazing different parts of you masculine energy feminine energy king energy all of this and actually integrating all of these parts and fully accepting all of these parts
0: yes yeah, yeah. f- fill in your own cup essentially from filling your own it. cup
1: exactly filling your own cup so you it's an interesting analogy so you imagine the cup is actually uh to use this analogy maybe it's it's not just one thing right it's not just like water or coffee or juice it's it's all sorts of things it's it's yeah. all sorts of layers of elements that are inside the cup it's all sorts of things from your past from your present from your future and so it's, it's understanding the whole tapestry of that and, you know, filling all of that up, filling all of that up. Like, for example, one guy might be very connected to his inner warrior, you know, like he might mm. be like, you do Muay Thai, for example, like, a, mm. like some guys might be doing combat sports. They're so connected to their warrior. Um, there was a really good example of a guy that I worked with that was like this. He was a bodybuilder, like very alpha male in a lot of ways. Super strong, uh, super big super strong, you know, very attractive to women, um, but very unhappy. He said to me, James, I'm so unhappy. I don't understand why. When yeah. we went into it, whilst he was connected to his warrior and all of that, he had a very broken inner child, right? So when he was a child, he was bullied. He had a very difficult upbringing with his family. Mm. And so inside him, there was this scared child, basically. So all of this kind of bodybuilding alpha stuff, whilst it's great, it was essentially masking what was really happening. You know, mm. he was essentially trying to build himself up so that he could protect the 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 inner child, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, um, again, again, kind of coming. It's good what he's doing, getting strong, focusing on your body, putting through a challenge, but it sounds like it was coming from the wrong place, kind of what we we're saying earlier.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It was coming from uh yeah, exactly. Coming from like this inner kind of fear and shame of the child, you know, and 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 like overcompensating for that. But once we started to develop his relationship with his inner child and started loving that child, he mm-hmm. still did all the bodybuilding, all the physical stuff because he loved that, but he could then do it in like a joyful way. He could mm-hmm. then do it in like a oh, this is fun. Like I can enjoy my life in that way rather than where he was before, which was like, he was this amazing bodybuilder, but never felt good enough. He always had to be better. He always had to be stronger. He always had to, he, he, was, never, he was never enough in his own eyes, right? Um, but when he developed the relationship with his inner child, loved the child, the child then felt safe. And then it was like, oh, now I can enjoy all of this stuff. I can enjoy all of this warrior stuff. I don't have anything to, to prove anymore. I can just do it from this joyful space.
0: Mm. No, it's interesting you brought up that example exactly because I've definitely had moments when I've gone to, to Muay Thai and like maybe I've had something on my mind or like, uh, I don't know, something happened in my personal life that made me upset. I was like a little bit had some like not anger, or I had like uh, tension uh, between me and someone else. And I, I remember I would do be doing sessions. I'd be like, I'd be thinking about them while doing it or that situation while doing it. And like, oh, I'm going to show them or I'm going to like, if they were any new type of thing. And again, like it's not coming from the right place. Like it's good that I'm training and doing this thing, but it wasn't coming from the right place. It wasn't being fueled by the right thing, by like healthy emotions.
1: Yeah. Yep it's a great example where it was almost like this uh, maybe it was like frustration or resentment even was fueling Mm. this, um, the inner warrior. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like, I've also heard stories about people who become really successful in business. And it came from like a place of like anger. It's like, I'm going to show all those people when I was younger that I became something. I'm going to show, I don't know, my family, my friends, Like they became really successful, but it came from, again, like this place of like anger and they're probably not very happy. They get there and they're like, am I actually happy? Or they still have that resentment and everything.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's often, um, uh, there's often in that example, uh, uh, like an achiever script. What I mean by that is this script uh, that you've developed in your life of like, I must achieve this um, in order to be happy, you know, in order to be good enough. Um, this is why I love calling myself a happiness coach, because it basically the way I see what I'm doing is helping people just be happy with wherever they are, you know, like Mm -hmm. in this full acceptance of where they are, because we've all so often got these scripts of like, I must do X, Y, Z, or I must have X, Y, Z, then I'll be happy. But that's, it's, it's a, it's like a matrix. It's an illusion you know, it, because if you're cutting that thought, it's, it's an illusion. You won't actually be happy with those things because you're never going to have everything in your life, right? The, yeah. the, you only ever have the specific, the moment that you have now, you only ever have today. Um, so the whole game to me is finding full acceptance, full happiness in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's a great example. Business is another is, as you say, a perfect example um, where business owners fall into the trap of going once i'm making this much per month or this but once i've achieved this in business ah then i can relax then i'm happy mm. you know uh, but it's an illusion why can't you just why can't you be happy now
0: so james before we we got rudely cut off by batteries dying Um, There was something I was very curious about in regards to how you work with your, your clients in that you spoke about, you do that deep dive right at the start, finding kind of where those potential blockages are coming from at the start. Is the entire period that you're working with someone, essentially you're just working through those blockages as they come up. So you work through one, you knock that one out, another one comes up. Like, how does it kind of look over the full timeline of working with someone?
1: Ah, yeah, great question. I mean, uh, at the end of the journey, the man they want to be, everything they want to have, um, and then work through the blocks. Now, do you work through them one by one? Well, the way that I work, I want to get to the deepest block Uh, first um, to go most efficiently, kind of like, You don't want to go to the Band-Aid solution. You want to go to the root cause. Mm. Um, So for some guys, the deepest block might be, you know, their relationship with their inner child. For some guys, it might be uh, particular limiting beliefs that they have. For some guys, it might be like an addiction to their own comfort. Uh, So they just need to get out of their comfort zone. So basically, we go to the the biggest one first um, and hit the kind of big ticket items. Where you go from there, well, it depends. Some guys, like, they break so free um, by the time you've done that. Kind of like that example I gave before of um, the bodybuilder that uh, we needed to do inner child work with. Once we ha- hit that big-ticket item, he found such momentum in his life and was going so fast upwards that the journey was no longer really about getting through blocks. It was more about his potential. So it was more about, okay, now that you're feeling really good about yourself um, what's your potential with your business? What's your potential with your relationships? Um, what are the steps we're going to take to your uh, potential? I guess you might call that like positive transformation uh, steps. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's exciting. So it's not—it's a
1: great question because for me, it's not necessary to. Yeah, yeah, it's not necessary to like constantly be going back to blocks. Um, because there is a danger there, I think, in self-development where we convince ourselves that there's always things wrong with us that we need to fix. Um, sometimes if you just get a big ticket item block out of the way and you've embraced it, you can then just focus more on like, okay, how high can I get from here? You know, when it, no one is like fully healed, no one is fully loving themselves. Um, but if you can hit the big ticket items and get very positive momentum, then you can the wrong way.
0: Hmm. So often, like at times you might get through those big, big blocks with someone right at the start with working with them. And then from there on, it's just like, how can we flourish now, essentially?
1: Yes. Yes. Then it's how can we flourish? And, and a second thing that I always ask myself and ask the guys and we go through, how can they become their own best coach? Uh, so for me, I work with guys for 12 weeks. One of the reasons I do that I want them to have sustainable change and that they can have all the tools that they need. So that by the end of the 12 weeks, they feel like they can essentially coach themselves. They don't need me or any other coach anymore um, because they have all the, the tools to relate to themselves properly, to master themselves. So they're essentially coaching themselves. So once we've kind of got to the heart of those blocks, get positive momentum, then an emphasis comes to that mastery stage where they're coaching themselves yeah
0: Hmm. no that's interesting you mentioned the the coaching yourselves part because i resonate with that in regards to business so like one of my very big business goals in regards to like my growth and development is could i kind of start all over again and know i'd be fine like if you took away everything like i dropped in with no connections i don't have any money i don't know yeah, I I can't go back to my same people. I can't go back to the same products. Would I know how to start again? And like, would I know where I'd be in three months time type of thing? Like that self almost coaching, like you know the process so well that you can work through blocks on your own and that confidence. And it sounds like almost kind of the same thing, but with your own happiness and your own growth.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And there's balancing thoughts, right? I mean, you know, um, a lot of guys, they feel like, particularly in Australia, where I usually work, um, there's a lot of resistance to reaching out for help and reaching out to mentors because it's like, I'm a man, I don't need help. Yeah. Um, but it's one of the best things you can do is reach out for help and find people that are further ahead than you are. You know, if you want to be happy, find people that are happier, that understand it better. If you want to be successful in business, find people that have done similar things to what you want. And learn from them so mentorship and coaching accelerates you so much but the balancing thought to that is exactly what you were saying you ultimately want to reach a level of mastery whether it's your relationships your business where if it all came crashing down you could be completely independent completely self-reliant and build the whole kingdom back up again from scratch
0: hmm. no it's it's interesting you mentioned the whole thing about in Australia maybe it's a cultural thing that like guy, many guys feel they have to be like super masculine they can't show I, I I kind of interpreted it as like they can't show emotions they can't show that type of that side of them like are a lot of guys that you work with they're just looking for someone to kind of share like their shitty feelings with like they they just feel like they can actually talk to someone without being judged and then obviously helped to work through it
1: absolutely yeah that's a big factor just the whole kind of weight off the shoulders of being able to talk to someone um being able to share their emotions in a non-judgmental way and learning how to actually um understand your emotions and change them if you want to um Hmm. because a lot of men because of that you know i guess culture of like i don't have emotions i don't show emotions um you know we're not even necessarily at a point of being able to understand them let alone master them and and change them
0: yeah yeah so yeah, yeah there is
1: good. a huge which is why i really promote uh community as well i mean part of my 12 week journey the guys enter a brotherhood so of all the guys that i coach and we do group uh video calls i do individual sessions obviously that's a huge part of what i do but i do a lot of group stuff um because that's a huge thing that's missing for men um, and in the past, I've done a lot of men's circles. Um, and those things are so valuable for men to just come together and be able to just be honest, basically, with each other. Um, just be honest about, hey, this is what's actually going on in my life. This is what I'm actually feeling. Um, and we can actually share in that together. You know, a lot of guys think that that's about like, oh, that's, you know, we're all feeling sorry for each other. It's it's not about that. It's It's actually just being honest, being raw, um, and basically kind of being there for each other. You know, I think that's such a massively needed thing for men in Australia, but all around the world at the moment, really.
0: Mm. I mean, you mentioned you're done, you've done a lot of coaching for yourself, like paid for programs, paid for mentors. Did you, did you pick up that approach from there like having the community aspect or did you find some of them lacked that and that's what made you want to bring it in
1: oh it's a great question uh look part of it is just what i know in my own life right so uh, you know when i was much younger i was not happy i was depressed i was anxious i was very shy not socially confident um and i came out of that through an obsession with self-development, but also essentially through being able to talk about it, um, mm-hmm. being able to talk about it with people, getting the help that I needed, getting the mentors that I needed. So it's a personal truth um, that I hold that kind of sharing this journey um, makes it so much more joyful and makes you be able to advance so much. Um, so it's a personal truth. So it's kind of seemed, uh, I guess, very clear and obvious to me that if I was going to help men in this way, a part of that would be building a community part of that would be building a community. And moreover, yes, absolutely. I've invested, gosh, I think it's over, over $75,000 now in personal development, in different forms, business relationships, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, And I know that what's advanced me a lot has been a combination of the individual mentorship and the group element, because you can share in each other's wins you can share in each other's struggles. You can share ideas, um, and it makes the journey a lot more, a lot more fun, basically, and a lot more uh, have a. You can have a great sense of belonging in the journey if you create that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. It sounds like the the way you guide the the people you're working with is almost like, it sounds like how you wish you had been guided a little bit back in the past.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's my, my, in fact, like the way I crafted my 12 week journey, which includes like an online course that's very structured um, is obviously a combination of all the different training that I've done and the things I've learned, but it is ultimately exactly what you just described. It's ultimately like, hang on, this is where I was before. This is where I've got to, if I was to try and help a guy as quickly as possible go on that journey it took me a lot longer than 12 weeks to be years. Um, but if I was to help a guy go on as quickly as possible in a 12-week time frame, okay, this is the structure that I would go with. Um, the, that's exactly right. That's how I crafted it.
0: No, nah, beautiful. I mean, if people wanted to find out more about what you're doing and kind of what you offer and the things you're putting out, like what's the best place for them to kind of connect with you, reach out to you?
1: Yeah. So you can follow the James Rackus Core Attraction uh, Facebook page. We can tag it in here. You can also go to Uh That's mm-hmm. the website as well. That'd be, yeah, I'd love that support. That'd be amazing.
0: Yeah. So it's James James Rackers Core Attraction on Facebook and then jamesrackers.com. Correct. That's the
1: Facebook okay. business page. And then the website is www.jamesrackers.com.
0: Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, I mean, if you, if you could leave, I've actually been asking this question to the last few people I've spoken to and I've really liked it. It's like, if you could kind of leave one, I don't know, message or summary of a framework or a mindset that you have, like what would that be for people? Something that like really helped you. Oh,
1: um, biggest thing I would say is, you know, don't wait to be happy. It's the biggest message. I always say to guys, don't wait to be happy. There's no, <laughs> it almost maybe sounds ironic because I'm a happiness coach. Um, the, you know, probably people probably expect me to try and make it really complex, but you know, you can be happy in any, any moment really. Mm. Um, that's the biggest part of my messaging.
0: Yeah. It's actually, I was just speaking to, to someone else and, there's like overlaps in that message they were saying it's like there's no better time than now it's like don't wait until like oh once i've got my career in place or once i've reached this goal that's when i'll yeah. do the thing it's like you're still going to go on that same journey you can either start it right now or it's still going to be the same journey but you just start in two three years later
1: exactly right exactly right yeah, trust yeah. yourself to to just go for it in the now no, no time like that
0: yeah no that was, uh, i really like that yeah thanks so much james it's been it's been awesome having the chat today
1: thank you gavin cheers brother
0: yeah cheers mate